back folks that sound of course again means we've wrapped up another week and we're here with you once more on the metals money and markets weekly for the week ended april the 8th i'm chris temple of the national investor here once again with mickey fulp the mercenary geologist and mickey last week when we slid off with gold i made the comment that the glass was half full maybe it's uh 54 percent full this week <laughs> yeah i don't know what to say about that <laughs> Gold didn't make much of a move most of the week at around 1920, 1930. But it got a nice little boost today. It closed at 1945, up 1.1%, $22 on the week. Silver, 24.73, up a half a percent, 13 cents on the week. Platinum actually lost this week. It lost nine dollars despite what you just told me about the lme just said they're not going to take any platinum and palladium into warehouses from russia and that's <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> we'll see what happens there but palladium was big time up on that news gained 114 116 dollars on the week to close at 23 26 up over five percent you know, copper, and this is all despite a very much stronger U.S. dollar. Right. Well, I, yeah, and we can we can talk about maybe it's partly because of the stronger U.S. dollar. I, I, I long have talked about, in times past, treasuries and gold being the odd couple that both do well at various times. I think the dollar and gold will continue to do well together. That's a... That's a different story. Copper interested me this week, Mickey, because there's a lot of negative economic news that's starting to come out. The transports have flashed a major bearish signal, right. rising costs and all the whole thing. And you would think the more economically sensitive stuff would, would be getting hit harder, but copper held up. Yeah, I got a bit of a bump up over the last couple of days it remains in strong contango something on an order of four to five percent uh across the front month cash to threes uh close at 468 up four cents on the week not a big move but uh one of the reasons might be that goldman sachs came out yesterday and said they expect record prices for copper by mid-year due to low inventories and they're projecting a deficit supply demand deficit in 2022 of about six days of u.s or a world demand so uh be, be that as it may uh here's what we do know goldman sachs is long copper so uh, well yeah i the, mean uh, yeah, you listen uh, yeah. to Jeff Curry. They're you along just read, everything. Read what they write, and you know if they're long or short in a commodity. Oh yeah. Uh, the the news that came out in the market this week concerning supply and demand would have come from Chile, and Chile, which is now a socio-communist regime, uh, sued two of the copper majors over water use in the Atacama Desert, which they say exploration is depleting aquifers. So 
That's not good news for the copper business. No, it's not. And of course, right next door, Peru, you got major social unrest under their new government now too. So it's 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 interesting. Moving on to energy, um, just if you don't mind, switch things up a bit. The big story this week was uranium. It, it went on another tear because of more sanctions news and shortages looming. Uh, man, could could we get back to those pre-Fukushima levels, Mickey? Well, we are at those pre-Fukushima levels. We are at a new high since February of 2011, which was a month before Fukushima. Uh, It briefly went above $70, but uh, since that time, uh, this week's close at $62.50, and I should say yesterday's close, neither you or I got Friday's number, uh, is up 7%. And really, this is a lot to do with what's going on in Washington, supply security concerns. There's been a bill introduced in the Senate to ban uh, Russian uranium imports. And so be that as it may, uh, you know, at this price, if it's sustainable, U.S. production, ISR production will kick on again. But it's going to be a long time before we can make up that, what, 16% of 50 million tons a year from Russia is uh, 8 million tons of uranium, and uh, we'd be lucky to achieve that in a decade. So uranium's got to come from someplace. Yep, yep, and, and it's still, to me at least, I don't think there's a single better uh, fundamental story for any commodity, in my view, than uranium. Uh, let's back up a minute and talk about the oil sector. Well, we had a weak week again, second week in a row, closed at 97.89. It was dropping all day. Uh, that's a 1.7% loss. Uh, part of this has to do with uh, the big to-do made by the IEA announcing $60 million uh, strategic petroleum 60 million barrels released over six months <laughs> and the market reacted to that uh, also concerns over Shanghai lockdowns um, this IEA release is laughable if you do the math you, the world uses a hundred million barrels a day so this is uh, what six tenths of 24 <laughs> that's about 14 hours of US of pardon me, of world oil demand. So it's, once again, a drop in the bucket. Let's go through the numbers. Production, I didn't get the rig number this week. Uh, Production ticked up 11.8 million barrels a day. Inventories in the U.S. were up 2.5 million barrels, but we still remain at 12-year lows. Imports flat at 6.3 million barrels a day. Wow, and the refineries continue to kick up uh, 140k more as we get really into the time that refineries start to kick in for the summer driving season. Big problems in the U.S. Uh, middle distillates, jet fuel, which is essentially kerosene grade uh, derivative of distillate of oil all-time record high of 760 a gallon so your plane flight costs are going up and natural gas 
hit a high since December of 2008 at 640 per million BTU. Wow, that's something. Yeah. Uh, moving on, the U.S. dollar index peaked above the triple-digit level for a while today before falling back. The the tailwind for the greenbacks sure, sure still seems to be there. Well, it certainly did tick above 100. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was in my notes, and I went back to see the last time it closed above uh, 100 DXY, and it was exactly five years ago during the Trump administration, very early days of the Trump administration. If you remember, yep. uh, when he got elected, uh, DXY soared at one point in January, after, before he was inaugurated even, to 104. It was still above 100 in uh, early April of 2017. The 10-year Treasury closed at a plus three-year high at 2.72%. It reversed the inverted uh, to the two-year, but uh, it's only about six basis points off of inversion. Um, and really, this all had to do with the Fed. Uh, you know, the Fed basically has a choice, uh, inflation or recession, and they tame one, we're going to get the other. So it's between a rock and a hard place, in my opinion. Yeah, well, and we won't get into the, all of the politics of this, but uh, there's an election in France this weekend that may have uh, an impact on the euro-dollar disparity, especially depending on how that first round turns out uh, next mm. week. Uh, uh, Mr. Macron uh, is warning mm -hmm. that he may actually lose this election, so we'll see what happens to people over there. Uh, Marine Le Pen said if she wins, France is leaving NATO, so try that one on for size, uh, <laughs> globalists. <laughs> That'll yeah. be interesting. Uh, She's a piece of work. Yeah, she is. Just like uh, Donald Trump is a piece yep. of work, and Nigel Farage is a piece yep. of work. So there's a few of them out there, populist yep. types uh, spread, not only in the U.S., but across the pond, For too. For sure. Now, this week in the stock market was interesting, Mickey. You know, your theme today is Musk Wakes Up the Woke. And I was mulling, telling people to take a renewed short position in the NASDAQ at the beginning of the week, and I held off when the news came out of his uh, supposedly passive stake of 9-point-some-odd percent in Twitter. That lit a fire under the NASDAQ on Monday, but then it gave it back and then some. But that's a pretty cool story. Well, it is. Uh, and the day after he announced his 9.2% stake in Twitter, something on the order of that. They appointed him a board of directors. Yep. So uh, all the so soy boys and snowflake employees <laughs> have gotten their panties twisted over that little gem. Uh, but he is a libertarian. He does stand for free speech. So uh, for people that think like you and I do, this was very welcome news. Uh, kind of put NASDAQ in turmoil. Uh, the markets all in all had a a mixed week, I guess I would say. They all closed down. The Dow closed at 34,721 for a three-tenths percent loss. S&P 500, uh, 44,88 
1.3% loss, and the VIX was above average at 21 and change. NASDAQ, big loser, 13.711, lost almost 4% on the week. Um, we'll see where we go from here. Um, markets are choppy. Markets yeah. are worried. Corrections well, this are likely looming. Recession end of quantitative easing or something on the order of that half percent rate hikes looming we'll see where it goes yeah it'll be interesting uh, the nasdaq of course gets disproportionately hurt if we get these kind of spikes in interest rates like we had i guess it was a moral victory this week that the toronto venture exchange dropped only one percent it held up better than most things did well that's a uh... Yeah, it, it's been an interesting month for a Toronto Venture Exchange. It was up something on the order of uh, 16 of the last 20 days, uh, but it closed down this week at 8.88 for what a nine cent loss on once again low volumes, not a lot of interest, uh, and it had a mixed week. Three three days up two. Two days, Tuesday and Wednesday, big down days. But it's uh, so been on quite a streak. We'll see where it goes. But really, it's uh, with these sorts of volumes, we're not going to see big moves and we're not going to see uh, the gold juniors do particularly well until we get a rise in the gold price. Oh, we, for sure. We need to get those generalist investors in. The gold bugs, as always, are already fully invested. we got to get the <laughs> other 99% of people out there. Hey, next week, we've got uh, new and probably hot or hotter inflation number coming. Uh, what do you think about that? What else are you looking for to the week ahead? Well, the market's certainly looking at greater than 8%, and we'll double that for real inflation. Uh, that comes midweek, the March CPI. Uh, start next week will be the start of Q1 earnings season. That will be interesting for the major markets. We got the producer price index, another measure of inflation, wholesale prices uh, midweek. Bank of Canada is going to have a meeting and announce their rates. Um, I have no idea if they're going to increase their rates. I would expect them to continue to follow the U.S. We've got retail sales and the usual Thursday unemployment claims. Okay. Uh, how did the poll end up last week? It didn't look like I was doing too good to start out with my answer. <laughs> well, uh, Fauci won, but he had a, a it was a plurality, so, okay. uh, uh, but something 46% voted for Fauci, and I was one of those people. Okay, I didn't make the winning team this time. What, what do we got now? Well, we've got another Twitter poll, so are you sitting down for this one, I, Chris? I am. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Over his 79-plus years on the planet, who was or is Joe Biden's foremost adversary? And your choices are Corn Pop the Bangganger, Big Mama the Truck Driver, Fox News's Peter Ducey or 
Hunter's Laptop. <laughs> I would say Hunter's Laptop, except for the fact that the media just won't let that story get any traction, so nobody knows. So I guess the closest I can come then would be the big mama trucker who's um, uh, <laughs> intuitively against him. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. That's the first we'd, time we'd ever heard that story about Big Mama the truck driver. But uh, uh, I'm going to vote for Hunter's laptop. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. I wish the story would get more traction. I mean, it's it's remarkable how one thing after another after another where the kept media says that Trump lied about this, Fox lied about this, uh, the right lied about this. Every one of these things now comes true, including the Hilda Beast with her spying and everything. And, and nobody cares. I mean, if this was, if these were Republicans doing this stuff, they'd be strung up on the White House lawn, Mickey. Well, you mean you say no one cares? Who are you talking about? Mainstream media? Well, yeah. And and Democrat politicians? Yeah. That's a lot of people. On the other side, my friend. Well, there there are, uh, and 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 wait till you see the November elections. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can only hope. We can only hope. Hey, that's it, folks. Thanks, Mickey. Thanks a lot, Chris. Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly is syndicated exclusively by our friends at Kitco.com. To keep up with Mickey Folk, visit him online at MercenaryGeologist.com and on Twitter under at MercenaryGeo. Yours truly, Chris Temple, can be found at NationalInvestor.com and on Twitter, it's at NatInvestor. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with you again next week.